What's up, everybody? It's the Power Rankings Podcast, aka the Power Rankings Show. I am your host, Elliot Harrison, and I am pleased to be joined on this uh, fine Thursday. With that, Marcus underscore Mosher, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Elliot. How are you? Uh, I'm wearing navy, bro. Uh, yeah, I don't wear black anymore because of you. Uh, you pretty much ruined that color for me. Uh, so, yeah, I have to go with other things now. But uh, I, I, I have a couple of football thoughts off the top here. I wanted to ask you what's going on with you, either in your football life. My mom said, my mom listened to our podcast, by the way, for the first time. And she happened to listen to the one where you decided to rank Easter candies without telling me. And this was my mom. My, my mom said, hey, so I picked up our nephew from college, our nephew, my nephew, her grandson. And she said, we went to dinner or went to dinner something and they listened to our podcast on the way. So I guess he pulled it up for her. Mm -hmm. And she said, now I'm just your mother, honey. But do you guys always talk about, I mean, you, you didn't really talk about football. <laughs> and it's because you were ranking Easter candies going 16 deep yeah, on your I, rankings. I go, no, mom, we don't normally go 16 deep on Easter candy rankings. This is the power ranking show, though, correct? We're, we're supposed to rank I, stuff every once in a while, right? I, I enjoyed it. I was shocked. And uh, my brother uh, chimed in as well, uh, the father of my nephew. He said, no one anywhere in the entire world pronounces it Reese's Pieces. He goes, it's Reese's Pieces. And I have to agree with that assessment. Um, it kind of obscures your rankings. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, any non-football football thoughts in your mind? I have two football thoughts for you. Yeah, we do have a little bit of sad football news that I at least wanted to mention. Daryl Monica died today. Uh, he was 80. Um, great AFL quarterback. Uh, Raiders quarterback for several years, uh, five-time Pro Bowl quarterback. Uh, uh, I mean, it's what a career he had in both the AFL and the NFL. It's uh, it's sad to hear that. Yeah, so Daryl LaMonica was a backup quarterback for the Buffalo Bills uh, in the mid-60s. And so in the mid-60s, the Bills had a guy named Jack Kemp. He ended up becoming a congressman. And uh, no, I did not read this all on Wikipedia beforehand. If somebody's like, hey, nice reading, bro. Uh, so Jack Kemp was a pretty good quarterback, but he was what was known as they didn't have this term back then, but a game manager. <laughs> and the Bills were really a predominantly defensive team. But they had this great backup quarterback who had a huge arm, Daryl LaMonica. So the Raiders made a deal to get him in 67. And right out the gate, Marcus, they go to the Super Bowl. They play Vince Lombardi's Packers. If you look at LaMonica's numbers from 67 to 71-ish, I'm not looking at his stats right now, but his touchdown passes in that five-year span, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like near 150 in just those five years. He, he had several years where he had 30 touchdown passes. Uh, he could throw the deep ball better than anyone in pro football, AFL or NFL, Joe Namath included. Um, he also had the classic like football card motion where you stick your forehand out all the way. And I mean, just like your classic quarterback throw, he loaded it up and he threw it also unusual quarterback number, not a lot of threes, 
you know, out there, uh, dominating, very unique uh, looking player, I guess you could say. He ultimately got replaced in 72 by a young kid they liked a lot, Kenny the Snake Stabler. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stabler became the full-time starter in 73, and, and Stabler ended up being MVP the next year and made the Hall of Fame. Daryl LaMonica's Hall of Very Good, I guess you would say. Yeah, very uh, good. Yeah. But a really nice career. I, I will also say this. So for his career, he averaged almost 15 yards per completion. Uh, and actually, <laughs> d- during his Buffalo days, it was 16.7. Just to put that in perspective a little bit to today's NFL, um, the NFL leader this year was Jimmy Garoppolo at 12.7. He averaged more, four yards more per completion than you know the top quarterback this year. It's pretty incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, they had uh, – well, they had Freddie Blitnikoff, who's in the Hall of Fame, from your neck of the woods, right? I yeah, believe. from Erie. Yep. Yes. Yep. And uh, also a friend of ours, friend of the program, uh, mm-hmm. Jamie Fritz, but mm-hmm. uh, and Garrett, if Garrett's on here somewhere. Uh, also, uh, a guy named Warren Wells, who averaged over 20 yards a catch. Uh, then eventually they got Cliff Branch. Uh, just this touchdown passes real quick. Daryl LaMonica, was I way off here? Like 67, 68, 69. I don't have his stat sheet pulled uh, up. But. I got it, I got it right here. 127 touchdowns in those five seasons. Uh, averaged 13 games a season. Um, yeah, pretty pretty incredible numbers, actually. Yeah, and I think the 71 season, he was a little down. But 67, 8, 9, man, uh, guy was rolling. Um, like I said, first year with Daryl LaMonica, he's heaving him deep. They go to the Super Bowl. The next year, they lose in the AFL championship to the Jets, who won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The next year, they lose the AFL championship game to Kansas City, uh, who wins the Super Bowl. And the next year, they lose the AFC championship game to the Colts, who won the Super Bowl. So the yeah. Raiders were eliminated four years in a row by the team that won uh, the Super Bowl. And so uh, also, he was coached by John Madden. Yeah. Um, you know, anyway, really interesting player. Uh, his backup before Ken Stabler was George Blanda, who was 43 years old and played until he was 48. Um, pretty cool stuff. A uh, couple of football thoughts. We're going to bring Chad Ryder in here in just a second. Uh, we've been doing a mock draft. Well, I haven't been doing it. Marcus and Chad have been doing it over email. I don't look at it. I like to react to what they're doing. Uh, if you're watching along on Brinks TV, we've got a rundown set up for that. And um, just real quick. Uh, I saw that Jarvis Landry visited with the Saints yesterday. I actually like that fit a lot, Marcus. Would you like that if he ended up there? Uh, actually, no. I don't like that fit. The Saints oh, have come one, on. The Saints have one of the league's slowest offenses right now, and adding a middle of the field target that doesn't stretch the field at all, that really doesn't add a lot of yards after catch at this stage in his career, it's not great. What does Jameis Winston do the, the, the best? He throws the ball down the field. They got to get more speed. I, I just don't love Jarvis there. Hey, here's the deal. Here's why I like it. I think they're going to go for that in the draft. Uh, I, I I don't think there's we'll anyone out there. I don't who's out there on the free agent market that they can go get that's going to do that. That's a young enough player. They're Will, they're all Will, gone. Will Fuller. Will Fuller. Okay. Uh, I mean, one of the problems with Michael Thomas, I feel like, is he hasn't been able to be on the field. Not Fair. totally reliable the last couple of years. Uh, Granted, uh, so I just any, think if you, Jarvis, is, there's other teams out there that Jarvis fits better on. Uh, it, actually, to me, and it sounds like the, the Browns still have interest, but that's where I'd like to see him land. Like, go back to Cleveland. They need somebody in the slot that can, that can just move the chains. I, I just don't love the fit with the Saints. That's all. Well, the other part of it is where he played his college ball, LSU. 
Um, the other thing is the Saints don't have a big-time tight end. They still need a guy who's reliable, who can move the sticks on third and five. So, I'm again, I'm projecting that they're going to use the draft to get uh, a guy that can stretch the field. Okay. I do feel like they needed somebody else. And I think Jarvis Landry is a better football player than a lot of people realize. Uh, he's always been a gamer. And uh, I'm thinking of that game uh, last year against the Broncos where Case Keenum had to start. He's just always been... Um, in my mind, a great player. Um, Okay, the other one is the Debo news. Now, I know that you guys had locked on Cowboys about a potential trade for Debo. Just curious, and I'm going to ask Chad here in a second, uh, where would you like to see Debo Samuel, uh, or where do you think he ends up? Do you think he stays in a 49ers uniform? I would like to see him stay with the 49ers because I feel like Kyle Shanahan is the best possible uh, you know, play call for him. He, he finds ways to get him the football that are unique. Uh, they get him a ton of touches. But I don't know if the 49ers want to pay him what he's asking for. And it sounds like that Debo Samuel didn't necessarily love his role last year. Uh, I don't think he wants to take as many hits as he got last year and uh, get as many touches out of the backfield. I think he wants to get paid now. He's a little bit older of a receiver. Uh, he'll be 27 when he officially hits the free agent market. Um, so I, I think he's just looking for somewhere where he can get paid, maybe get out of California, go a little bit closer to home. But I, I'd like to see him stay with the 49ers. Well, if he's looking to improve his social life, the Miami Dolphins come uh, calling. That would be something else to have Tyreek, him, and Jalen. Which is why it's never going to happen, right? You, yeah, there's yeah, just no way I you know. get that done. Hey. Look, I could have a little bit of fun, uh, but we're going to bring in someone who allows me to have no fun because it's all serious business uh, with Marcus Mosher. That's my good buddy, current and former colleague, uh, Chad Ryder. You can follow him on Twitter at Chad underscore Ryder. It's R-E-U-T-E-R. Yes, I know you guys are sick of me spelling it, but now it's tradition. Uh, so, Chad, my friend, how are you? I talked to you yesterday about everything but sports. I just teed you up for something you have no prep for whatsoever. Do you have any imaginary spot for Debo Samuel that you'd like to see him go? Uh, no, because look, every team, I did three radio interviews and two of them asked brag. Well, if Debo would come to their team and the other one I'm sure was going to, uh, but you know, cause everybody does, I, you know what, I, frankly, uh, the NFL in football in general is going positionless. It's going to be position positionless basketball at some point where mm-hmm. we've seen it already with jet sweeps and things like that, where you use guys in different ways to get the ball in their hands. This is not like going to go away. And so I think Debo is going to be used. I, I don't know if the actual issue with him is the way he's used or if he just wants more money, if he just wants more money, then, you know, they'll, that maybe just make it right by him. But uh, I, you know, I, I think, uh, I think it's going to be, I'll, I'll love to see if he ends up anywhere. My guess is that he ends up staying and they work it out. That's my guess. But uh, you know, the whole NFL, the whole NFL is looking for Devo yesterday. Yeah. Finding yeah. Devo, well, that's like a movie, right? Is that, is that yeah. Good? I like that. I like, you know, it's kind of like season two of star Trek when they brought Chekhov on, they put him yeah. in a, a wig, like the lead singer of the monkeys. But, you know, as Spock left the science area, Chekhov would just walk over there 
Right. And whoever took, you know, Sulu would take his place and they were positionless, you know, right, exactly. uh, on the Enterprise. And we lost Marcus about 19 seconds ago. So uh, uh, honor training is important. Can, can I play a game with Chad that we were playing before you came on, Elliot? Because you yeah, took forever. Play a game of Chad? Okay. Play a game with Chad. Uh, oh, I was playing oh, okay. this game. I was, I was just naming random draft prospects that aren't going to be drafted to see if he knows them. You want, you want to play it around, Chad? Okay. Live. Are you ready? Sure. Uh, yeah. Do you know who Isaiah Weston is? Yeah, wide receiver um, out of uh, northern. I was gonna say northern Iowa. Northern Iowa, um, lean guy. Uh, seemed like every time I watched him, he ended up on the ground with an injury or something. But you know, like Christian Watson, light sort of uh, same same kind of guy. This is incredible. That's like that's my 49th ranked receiver, and Chad just pulled up a scouting report without even looking. That's like awesome. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's sad because you know I uh, I feel like we can only pull up my expertise when someone passes away, and it's uh, it's the worst. Uh, it's just the worst. Do you know I didn't even know about Daryl LaMonica passing I, away until I, I, you did that, and yeah. uh, it's. Uh, but I actually because we were only talking about somebody when they pass away, but we you just mentioned Chad's expertise. I wanted to ask you guys. Is there, and Chad, I'll start with you, is there anyone like Daryl LaMonica in this draft? A setup, pocket, deep ball thrower where that is his strength, throwing outside the numbers, 15 yards down the field, skinny posts on a rope, and the vertical ball, maybe not the greatest uh, movement. Not that LaMonica couldn't move around the pocket, but you know, like as a running yeah. quarterback. Who, who fits that profile in this draft? Well, I think... I think we would both agree on the same person, Marcus, mm -hmm. to say first is Carson Strong from Nevada. Um, he, you know, does have a strong arm and, and uh, you know, immobile, the ball hung up in the air a little bit more against the wind than maybe people thought. But, um, you know, on his tape, he's, he's constantly making uh, very good throws downfield and he is not mobile. Um, partially because of just his build, partially because of knee injuries um, in his high school and college career. So that would be the the closest one I would uh, come with at, at this mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah, and uh, as a little bit of a segue, we're going to talk about him in just a little bit in our third round mock draft. Yeah, let's get to that. Just uh, real quick, too. Uh, obviously, no disrespect to Daryl LaMonica. I was kind of teasing Marcus. We we don't talk about a lot of history here, but uh, like I said, if you uh, you know, if you're cruising around on the internet later, go to Pro Football Reference, uh, check out this guy's numbers. I think you'd be really surprised. I mean, 34 touchdowns in 1969, and went 12-1-1 as a starter, guys. Uh, <laughs> you know, they threw and Marcus a lot of interceptions, but they also threw a lot of deep balls at that point. So it was a fun brand of football. You you bet you bet he threw twenty five interceptions that year, which also led the league. But uh, he led the league in yards, attempts, uh, completions, touchdowns, touchdowns percentage, interceptions, and yards passing per game. Uh, also sack percentage, a low sack percentage. He got rid of the football. So uh, okay, uh, let's get to what we our headliner is today, though, and that is the mock draft that Marcus and and Chad have been working on now for a couple of weeks. They've been doing it over email. It's pretty cool. We did a first round. We went over each pick. Uh, we we did the second round last week. That was fun. We just pick out a batch of eight. Uh, we're not doing all the compensatory picks here. So we've got 32 picks in the third round. We're going to go over the first batch of eight. Now, Marcus and Chad uh, went in alternating order. Uh, Chad, you picked uh, first, right, in the draft, didn't you? You're all the that's, odds. 
That's right. And we're going to get yeah. to those compensatory picks, mister. So don't you. Oh, we are. Oh, boy. Oh, All right. No. So we're going to start oh, off no. with Troy. And oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Marcus. Start start us off. Uh, you stole my guy. That's the guy I want to talk I about know. a second. Sorry. That's all right. Uh, yeah, well, let's just read through the, the first batch of eight, starting with Jacksonville. First pick of the third round at number so 65. 65 through 72 here. Okay. Correct. Uh, Troy Anderson, linebacker, Montana State. At 66, we have the Lions going Josh Pascal, edge rusher from Kentucky. At mm, 67, Greg Dulcich, tight end from UCLA. The Houston Texans at 68 select Channing Tyndale, a linebacker from Georgia. At 69, the Jets go with Zamir White, a running back from Georgia. At 70, Jacksonville takes DeMarvin Leal, defensive tackle from Texas A&M. 71, Bears, Lewis Seen, safety from Georgia. That is a heck of a value. And then at number 72, Seattle, Martin Emerson, long cornerback from Mississippi State. Yeah, it's a it's a good list. Um, you know, I think Troy Anderson, honestly, we don't know if he's going to be a linebacker or a tight end yet in the NFL out of Montana State. We're not sure yet, but he's a fantastic athlete. He played offense and defense. Uh, during his college career. So um, he was a triple option quarterback for a while, then moved around. And But, uh, yeah, he's a fantastic athlete. Um, and, my uh, my yeah. favorite player in the draft to watch, easily. Yeah. Um, Elliot, just to, to give a little background on him, he's mm-hmm. one of the few players, I believe, in college football hi- history that ever led his team in passing yards in one season, rushing yards in another season, and then tackles uh-huh. in another season. Yeah. That's I mean, amazing. The guy yeah. can literally do it all. Yeah, and he can run around. I mean, you see it on the field. Um, you know, he doesn't and, – and teams aren't thrilled with his physicality as a defender. Um, the first half of the team's um, FCS championship game wasn't fantastic for him. But, again, like I said, like if – let's say we had Denver taking Chad Muma in the second round. If they went with Troy Anderson, they could play him at tight end and linebacker. He could play both ways. Uh, so it would, that would be really interesting. A couple things here, guys. Uh, two picks. One, you've got Greg Dolchitz going to the Giants. Not a lot of tight ends uh, off the board in this draft. I know, Marcus, you've told me plenty of times that on the podcast there are no first-round tight ends. Uh, does this guy have the ability to be even as good as Evan Ingram? Both of you. Yeah, I, I think he's yeah. I think he's in that similar mold, though, a little bit. I think he's more of a downfield threat than what Evan Ingram is. Um but like Evan Ingram, he can't block a lick at all. You're just not going to put him in situations where he can block. But uh, you have Caden Smith there. You have a couple other guys at the bottom of your roster that can block. I think he's a decent passing option. Yeah, and they signed. They just signed Jordan Akins um, mm-hmm. a little bit. Of just I just happened to see it before we started up, too, um, as another backup. So they need bodies at that position. There's no question. Um, so it's still a, a really good pick. One more question from me before we go to 73 to 80. Uh, I got Zamir White going to the Jets at running back. We haven't had a lot. We had Brees Hall mm-hmm. in the second round near the top. I think he went to Houston uh, in our mock. Um, can this guy, I mean, what if you're the Jets, what are you expecting out of this guy as a third round pick? I know, Marcus, you're not a huge fan of taking uh, running backs in either the first two rounds. Uh, is this the right kind of spot? Are you okay with this? And Chad, what can the Jets expect? Well, I think what they would want is like the compliment to Michael Carter, right? I mean, I think that's, and Zamir White can be that kind of a bruiser um, kind of guy. So that's why I thought he was a pretty good fit here. Yeah, this is a spot to draft your running backs, right? 
early third round, even late second round. This is where you get a lot of value. Uh, and I think Zamir White, super productive at Georgia, good between the tackles runner. I, I think this is a fine value. Yeah, at 69 uh, overall. Let's go to uh, 73 through 80. And Marcus, why don't you run down the picks and what we got here? Sure. At pick 73, we've got the Colts taking Carson Strong, who Chad just talked about a couple of minutes ago. Uh, it's a little bit similar to Jacob Eason, who they drafted. Was that two years ago? Maybe yeah. a little bit. Uh, the Falcons at pick 74 take Darian Kennard, an offensive tackle slash guard from Kentucky. Charlie Kohler goes to the Broncos, a tight end to uh, from Iowa State at 75. At 76, Daniel Falele, offensive tackle, Minnesota, 6'8", 380 pounds. You're not going to find many players bigger than wow. that. Uh, wow. Yeah, monster. Uh, then at 77, the Minnesota Vikings took Jelani Woods, another huge tight end from Virginia. 78, the Browns take Khalil Shakir, wide receiver, Boise State. Chargers at 79 take Justin Ross, a wide receiver from Clemson. And then the Texans at pick 80, John Mechie, the third wide receiver, Alabama. Yeah, I, you know, Fa'alele is, is really interesting. Um, he's down to 380 pounds, right? I mean, he was <laughs> last year in 2019, uh, he was over four bills for sure. And, and he didn't play in 2020. And this year, he, he looked relatively svelte at uh, 385 whatever pounds that he was playing at. He's, uh, so, but, you know, he's not an elite uh, athlete or anything like that. He's sort of in that Zach Banner kind of area of just a big guy that or max starks who had a really fine career for a long time so i think he could make it um he's really interesting and the one guy that was bigger than him in the last uh, 25 years or so aaron gibson out of wisconsin an offensive lineman didn't really stick with the lions but i was in a building once when aaron gibson walked up the stairs at wisconsin and that building shook i mean that dude moved concrete so uh you know fall lately is a really interesting story and the Ravens had a lot of success with Orlando Brown, who was a right. third-round tackle from Oklahoma. I mean, he's not as talented as Orlando Brown is, right? but you're still talking about one of these 350-plus offensive tackles that they're, the kick slide's not going to be great. They're not going to have the sweetest feet, but their power and length, and especially in that offense, uh, you can get by with it. Yeah, them well, or, the, or the Titans. Those are the two the spots yep. for him, I think. I wanted to ask you guys, both of you, you said he's six eight. So the tallest guy in NFL history that we know of is too tall Jones. He was six foot nine. He was the number one overall pick in the draft out of uh Tennessee State, uh, I believe. Yep. Uh you had Dan McGuire, six foot eight quarterback uh for Seattle. You had Chris Canty, Marcus, I think he was six eight as well. Um, fourth round pick out of uh was it Virginia Tech? I can't remember in two thousand five. Virginia. Virginia, I'm sorry. Yep. Uh, and I know Chris, he would definitely uh, hammer me for that. Uh, with glasses on, Chris Candy would hammer me. Uh, it's so funny. <laughs> he looked like the hugest accountant I ever worked with. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember, though, see if you guys can remember. Around 2009-ish, the Ravens had an offensive lineman that was six foot eight, maybe six nine. He was like there's six a, There's a few of them. There's a few of them. Who King was Dunlap. it? Uh, King Dunlap was six nine. Uh, Trenton Brown, six eight and a half. Uh, Colton Miller, six eight and a half. Brendan Curtin, six nine. Uh, Dennis Rowland, six nine and five eighths. Dan Skipper from Arkansas a couple years ago, six cowboy nine guy. Yeah, yeah. Dallas Cowboy, uh, the, uh, undrafted free agent, still in the league, playing guard. Uh, the last I checked for Detroit. So, yeah. 
So is it King Dunlap that I'm thinking that played yeah, for the Ravens so. and was about six? He was the only guy as tall as uh, too tall. Um, yeah. Anyway, okay. Uh, one other question about this batch of players. I want to go back to Carson Strong real quick. Um, you know, look, it, the Colts, I think they were a Super Bowl uh, contender if they got better quarterback play at the end of the season. If you put them in the tournament, I think they could have beaten Cincinnati. Most likely, though, the playoffs are going to either go through Buffalo or Kansas City. We know those places can get cold and windy in January. Does this guy have that kind of arm that that 15-yard out on the road in 10-degree weather when it's windy is still going to get there? I think so. I mean, I, I think he's got that potential. He's As he gets healthier, you can hope he gets healthier so he can throw from – because you throw from a base, right? He's got to make sure that base is healthy. They can – with Matt Ryan around, they can wait a little bit to see if he – how fully healthy that knee gets and he's got the arm strength to do that kind of stuff and he's not a 2022 really pick I don't think he, he's really a 2023 kind of guy uh, but I think he of the guys in this class um, and I would trust him a lot more than Jacob Eason <laughs> to run an offense and all this stuff I understand where you're coming from on for that. a variety of reasons yes, yes exactly <laughs> so uh, yeah I, I mean but he's got the mentality to take over right away. It's just whether his knee is going to be ready to play this year. That's the question. Now, we should also say, just really quickly, because you're right, the, the knee is a big issue. And it's not like he had an ACL injury or something like that. He's got um, more of liaisons on his knee or something like that. Where Yeah, it's, that's it, right. Lesions on it. He had it in high school. He's had several different – yeah, it's been a multiple a group of uh, – it's, it, so it's, it's, it's a long-term thing. It's not just right. like an ACL where he's going to be back in nine months. It's it's deeper than that. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I almost made a really bad 80s movies reference, Chad, that only you yeah. were going to get. I was going to say dangerously liaisons, but uh, yes. sorry. Ter- right. Terrible. I'm at least, terrible. But go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I loved it. Um yeah, I, I just wonder, uh, you know, obviously whoever is going to get a starting job in the AFC is going to have to be able to throw the ball uh, in those places. Of course, when I asked that about Buffalo and Kansas City, I could tell you, Chad Marcus was thinking, what do you mean? It's going to be in L.A. in the AFC Championship because the Chargers are going to be hosts of the AFC Championship game. But uh, here did we go. Order, All right, so did let's... you order your Chargers polo yet? That we're gonna no, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for you to order it. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's look at picks 81 to 88. Uh, Marcus, tell us what we got. All right. First of all, before we even get to the picks, this is my favorite group of players just to talk about because so many fun stories here. But uh, 81 with the Giants, we have Cam Taylor Britt, a cornerback from Nebraska. At pick 82, Brian Asamoa, linebacker from Oklahoma. The Steelers at pick 83 uh, via trade with Philadelphia. We'll get Nick Cross, safety from Maryland. Steelers again at 84, Nick Benito, edge rusher slash linebacker from Oklahoma. Pick 85, Marcus Jones, cornerback from Houston. Raiders at 86, select Calvin Austin III, one of the fastest receivers in the draft. The Cardinals at 87 go with Alex Pierce, wide receiver Cincinnati. And then the Cowboys at 88, select tight end Cade Otten from Washington. Yeah, he had the Cowboys guy had to get the tight end in there. Um, you know, but I love Kate Otten because let, off 2020 tape, I thought he was the best senior tight end coming into the year. But this year, his quarterback play was not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got COVID. He was out a couple weeks. He got injured. It just, like, a lot of things went against him this year. I think he's going to outperform his draft status, whether he ends up a third round or, or fourth round pick. I agree. I, I, he reminds me a lot of Dalton Schultz coming out yeah. of Stanford, where under 250 pounds, not the biggest frame, but he's got good blocking technique. I think he can be 
It's pretty good after the catch, pretty soft hands. I think he's going to be a number two tight end for a couple of years who has the upside to be a better than average starter. Yeah, and right, you'll I, I know got, that Bill Belichick loves short cornerbacks, okay? Uh, so that's why I put Marcus Jones to to New England because they need their cor- their their uh, nickel linebacker play was not very good. Slot cornerback play, not very good last year. And I think Marcus Jones not only is a great slot corner, but he's a great return guy. I think he had nine touchdowns in his career on return. I mean, he's a ridiculous athlete. So, um, you know, I, I think that I just love that fit for the Patriots. I've got a question for each of you independently and then one for both of you. So my question for you, Chad, is a little draft theory here. I was kind of thinking this is around the point in the draft where if you haven't gotten your offensive lineman that you need, you better have because all the kind of the great talents at offensive line or guys that could come in and start are gone by this area right here, the midpoint of the third round. Am I wrong about that in this draft or overall? Um, I think I think as far as tackle, if you want a legitimate starting tackle, like pass protecting tackle, that's probably true. But in most years, you can find a really good center, a really mm-hmm. strong guard in the fourth, fifth round. So I think there are certain positions where you're right. You better find that guy. But I think you can you can find guys at different positions a little bit later. Marcus, this speedster from Memphis that you have the Raiders taking. Uh, this was the kind of guy that I was saying, you know, would the Saints go and get this kind of draft? Is he worthwhile to for a team like the Saints to trade up and maybe take him in the early third round or late second round? Is he that good a talent? Yeah, I think he is. I think Calvin Austin fits a lot of teams because not only can he make plays down the field, he's good in the return game. You could have him play in the slot. He was fantastic at the senior bowl. He's just not super big, but yeah. that's okay. I, that's why you're getting him late second, third round. He's got elite speed. I really like Calvin Austin. Third round is where I'd start considering him. Yeah. I, I will, it's going to be interesting to see if Tutu Atwell's lack of production this last year is going to affect where some of these smaller receivers go. Um, it may or may not, but you know that was a big thing last year where all these smaller receivers went early. And I'm wondering if teams are going to keep doing that or back off that a little bit. Sure. I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, Elliot, really quickly, uh, we, last Friday, we did a show on the most versatile players in NFL history. Yeah. It was a yeah, really good yeah. show. I just have to talk about Marcus Jones a little bit because yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that Chad brought him up with. Probably, probably my favorite player in the class. So he is an outstanding slot corner, as uh, Chad mentioned. Uh, he, has, he has an interception for a return uh, on defense, six kick returns for a touchdown in his career, Three punt returns for a touchdown in his for touchdowns in his career, and this year at Houston, he played wide receiver for them because they needed some help on the outside. He scores a touchdown there, so I, I'm not great at math. That's like 14 touchdowns that he scores wow. uh, all three phases of the game. You don't think Bill Belichick is going to love that just a little bit? You know, I was going to ask you guys who your favorite story was. Apparently, it was this one. Uh, We haven't talked about the Falcons much. Just real quick before we leave this Mm -hmm. batch. Uh, Brian Asamoah, what can you guys tell me about him? Uh, I'll go ahead and go. This is a linebacker that I really like. Small, six foot, 225 pounds, but a really, really long wingspan. He tackles high, but if you want one of these prototype weak side linebackers that can just fly sideline to sideline, uh, that's it. And the Falcons have had a lot of success with that, with Deion Jones in the past. So I think he's somebody that y- you draft now, set him behind Deion Jones for a year, and he's your weak side linebacker in 2023. 
I see Chad nodding his head. So I guess yes, for sir. once he he agrees with your assessment. I was going to ask, is it is he more Lance Briggs or more Dexter Coakley? But I'll, we'll go to the next. Definitely <laughs> next more match. Dexter Coakley. <laughs> okay, very uh, yeah. So I thought uh, uh, Appalachian State Dexter Coakley. I can't uh, remember. Yeah, now. I think State. So. Yeah, ninety seven. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Let's go. Uh, well, our our colleague, your colleague, still uh, Chad Daniel Jeremiah was quarterback uh, on that team That's after right. Dexter Coakley uh, left. Okay, eighty nine to 96 uh marcus back into the third round where we yeah got? yeah uh we get the bills picking at 89 Tariq castro fields a cornerback from penn state the titans at pick 90 cole strange a offensive guard but really more of a center from chattanooga 91 we've got Tampa base to, to make uh, selecting demarius mathis a cornerback from pittsburgh patriots at number 92 uh select Matthias, the defensive tackle from alabama 93, we've got the 49ers taking Dallas Jones Jr., wide receiver from Tennessee. Chiefs back up at 94, select linebacker Brandon Smith from Penn State. At 95, we've got the, the Bengals taking – can you please pronounce his name? The, the, the tight end from Maryland. Uh, Chig Owankwo. Chig Owankwo, there you go. Yep. Uh, and then at 96, we've got the Broncos selecting Majay Sanders, edge rusher from Cincinnati. Yeah, no, I, I love uh, I love Awanko. I mean, I think he's like the the uh, Joe DeGuire of this of this draft in terms of a undersized um, tight end who's just smooth receiver. I love little Johnny Smith like little little Johnny yeah. Smith like. Yes, exactly. Um, okay. And Cole Strange out of Chattanooga is like you said, he's a center. Um, showed out well, at the Senior Bowl, really um, versatile guy, center center guard. It's he's going to be, and I know. Elliot loves talking about guards. So I had just yeah. wanted to bring up Cole Strange a little bit more uh, and talk about him. And Mizey Sanders is a very interesting um, guy because he got sick before the combine mm. and ended up weighing in at 228 pounds, which was a bit of a shock. And and so team, and he's back up now into the 240s, but that's a little bit of a concern for teams when a guy gets sick and he can drop all the way down to that. But he's got good length. He's a really good player. So it'll be interesting to see how that affects his draft stock. Uh, you're going to love Cole Strange once you see him in the NFL because he wears absolutely nothing on his arms or his hands. Nothing. It's just like a kid from yeah. high school goes and suits out there. Uh, you saw him at the Senior Bowl. You're like, what in the world? This is like the, the weirdest looking athlete I've ever seen. And he yeah. dominated. It was it was awesome to see. <laughs> it was this was uh, my 49ers pick um, plays into the Debo stories a little bit because Velas Jones um, was at USC, transferred to Tennessee, got a chance to be more of a receiver at Tennessee. He was more of a return guy. Uh, excuse me, yeah, at, at USC. So if Debo ends up getting traded, Velas Jones would be a really good guy to, to plug in. He's not exactly the same, obviously, but. You know that would be that would be a pick they could use to kind of make up for that loss. I'm trying to remember if Justin Tuck did that early in his career, uh, Marcus. What you're talking about, and also Michael Bennett always had that weird look because his shoulder pads were like his middle school high pads. Yeah, the yeah, middle school shoulder, shoulder pads. Uh, yeah. yeah. I want to ask you guys about a prospect here that you mentioned. So, uh, you know, Marcus, sometimes we talk about Vegas odds. I'm pretty sure when we did our Vegas odds pod on um the super bowl uh or no wins wins um tampa bay was at the top of that list a lot of people think they're going back when they got started against dallas last year i remember when murphy bunting got hurt i said marcus i think their secondary is the only thing that's going to keep them away from the super bowl uh you guys have them taking a corner uh 
Damari Mathis out of Pittsburgh here in the third round. Uh, that's their first defensive back off the board. Is this a guy that could step in and help? Because remember our last pod, I told you guys, I feel like when you're a team like Tampa or the Rams or the Bills and you think we are potential Super Bowl champs, I almost want to take a guy that's smart enough to start now, even if I know maybe another player's upside down the road is greater. Uh, what do y'all think in terms of that argument and this player? Yeah, I think Mathis is an experienced player, and he could play the slot or outside. So that's why I, I put him in here. Um, he tested great, uh, has some really good – I mean, like every cornerback, he gets beat. He can be a little over-aggressive, but that's, you know, part of the position. Uh, he's got the confidence and experience. So, yeah, I, I suspect he would, he would jump right in uh, and contribute right away for him. Yeah, I think he could be their number four corner right away. They, they, their top three are pretty set with Jamel Dean, uh, Carlton Davis, and Sean Murphy Bunning, but they need somebody else because they're going to use four or five corners throughout the year. We saw that last year with Tampa Bay. Their starters were fine, but once they got to their depth, it was ultimately yeah. the reason why they couldn't beat the Rams. So, yeah, this is a, this is a great guy to have as your cornerback four, cornerback five this year. Right. And I should really define smarter. When I mean smarter, it's kind of what you said, uh, Chad, experienced. A guy that has maybe been a starter longer in college football than like a one-year starter. You know, there's certain guys that are just more capable of stepping in, playing in the league right now, but sometimes they give away a little bit in the athleticism, athleticism department to a guy who maybe went to a smaller school who's not really ready. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how some of these super seniors – um, who have that extra experience at the college level are viewed by teams. Are they going to be taken aback by the extra year of age, or are they going to enjoy the experience? And part of it depends on the position, but I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what the overall, um, you know, the overall effect of age for some of these guys is. Well, I got to tell everybody, I thought they, I'm sorry, Marcus, you want to add something? No, I just said, I agree. That's a, it's a great, I, I really like that pick by uh, Chad there. Okay, so I so everyone knows I really thought we were just going 96 picks, but I have a Google spreadsheet that Chad sent me. Marcus and Chad right. almost cancel each other out with their spreadsheet nerd them. Um, and I thought, surely they're not doing compensatory picks. And then I just saw a hundred at pick number 101, uh, a tight end from Coastal Carolina. And I was trying to think Coastal Carolina didn't Jerome didn't Simpson. the quarterback for the Chiefs go to Coastal Carolina? Um, yeah. Uh, was it not Palco? Uh, don't no, not, it. He was. He was at Pitt. But that, yes, Tyler right. Thigpen. Was it Tyler Thigpen? Yes, Thigpen. Yeah. Tyler Thigpen. Very wow. Good. Very good. All right. Okay. So let's well, look so at the this compensatory was my picks I was going to pick with you, uh, Elliot, okay. about not doing compensatory picks. All right. Yeah. So listen, we've got Justin Simmons, James Conner, Trey Hendrickson, three Pro Bowlers who were third round compensatory picks. All right. These things matter. You now win. we wouldn't talk about 1970s Super Bowls. And then say, you know what? We're not going to talk about Ram Steelers because that actually happened in January of 1980. So uh, I'm going to run through real call. fast. It's going to be like that's those disclaimers call. at the end of commercials, right? Okay. I Detroit lose. Lions, uh, Nolan Turner, safety from Clemson, very underrated player. New Orleans Saints at 98. Sean Ryan, guard, UCLA, going to be a really tough guard at the next level. Cleveland Browns at 99. Kingsley Agneg Bari, he's an edge rusher from uh, South Carolina, big, strong guy, not the greatest Very guy. familiar with his work. End. He's got some chance. Baltimore Ravens, number 100. Darian Beavers from Cincinnati, very underrated player, can play the edge, can play inside, really, really solid player. He transferred from UConn, went back home to Cincinnati. Great player. 
Uh, Isaiah Likely, Coastal Carolina tight end, going to Philadelphia Eagles at 101. Great value. Not the world's greatest athlete, even though he's a little slight, but really good receiver. Strong hands. He runs very good routes. He can be a pretty good backup tight end at the next level. 102, Miami Dolphins, center, Dylan Parham. Short dude, but he is strong. He uses leverage really well. He can play guard or center. Great job. Three stops. Kansas City Chiefs, running back, Ty Chandler. They want speed. Chiefs always want speed. Ty Chandler's going to give them some more speed at running back. The Rams at number 104, Jesse Lucetta, edge rusher. Tough-minded guy, Canadian guy. We love Canadians. He's going he's gonna to get after it on the edge for the, uh, love for the Rams. Really good pick for them. And finally, number 105, the 49ers pick. A cornerback, another cornerback. They need as many cornerbacks as they can get. Josh Thompson, Agreed. Texas, really tough guy. He got hurt this year, little undervalued, but really good corner. He's going to come in and play for him right away. Bingo. Well, I, I love, I, no, I love it. I love Canada. I mean, I love the Maple Leafs logo. I love Gordon Lightfoot. Uh, Marcus, which one of these guys sticks out to you? I mean, I should mention that I, I was a former teacher in a previous life, Elliot. I was, taught social studies for years. Um, and Jesse Lucetta sat in, sat in the first row of my history classes for about three years uh, up in the area. So, yeah. uh, great kid. Uh, Coastal Carolina, Isaiah Likely. Beautiful campus right in Conway, right next to Myrtle Beach. I've been there many times. If I could redo my college experience, that's the college that I would go to. I, you know, Chad, I love it how Marcus, who's all of not even 31 yet, it's like, look, I took I taught social studies for years. I mean, like he was teaching at twelve. I did. You know, I I, I, taught, I got hired or hired right out of college uh, to teach uh, like a Have senior you dealt government with class. Teenagers, Elliot, because one yeah. year seems like five. Sometimes. I was, I was yeah. done after four years, man. Yeah. Speaking of done, Courtney's kind of given that look. Like, are you this podcast kind of winding down yet? Look, yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so Chad, of these compensatory picks, anyone that you want to underline? Uh, no, I mean, I when I my seven round mock draft comes out tomorrow, and I told oh, Marcus cool. that at one hundred two Miami Dolphins, I hadn't taken Dylan Parham because um, even though he's not again the tallest guy or the biggest guy, he's just a really solid player. Um, who stood up to anybody who came up against him in Memphis, including Logan Hall, who at Houston, who could end up in, uh, you know, a, a first round draft pick. And after like one play, Logan Hall kind of got the best of him. But the rest of the time, Parham just shut him down. He's just like, no, nope, you're not doing that. So that guy for the Dolphins who really need a center this is a great pick. Yeah, you know, uh, I was in Dallas when the Cowboys won three out of four Super Bowls. Their starting center uh, that they got in 1989 out of Pittsburgh uh, was a guy named Mark Stepnoski. He was an undersized center on a giant offensive line, but he was a master of leverage. Right. And Moose Johnston and Emmett Smith, when they, they could read by Stepnoski's block, their favorite uh, play was a lead draw, which often went right by the center. You read their leverage, and they get under that guy's shoulder pad, and honestly, it doesn't matter how big. And, and Mark right. Stepnoski had it. Remember, Chad, uh, you followed the Packers closely. Mark Stepnowski was blocking guys like Gilbert Brown. Yeah. When y'all were talking about the biggest football players you've ever seen, I uh, Gilbert Brown is always my first go-to. Yeah. I know there's been some big boys. I've never seen anyone like Gilbert Brown. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 an important part of the game. Um, that's why, like, taller offensive tackles uh, have issues sometimes with leverage yep. on the outside. That's why, you know um, – uh, Dwayne White out of Louisville, uh, Dwight Freeney, uh, Indianapolis, short guy on the edge. 
but man, he could get leverage. Not, if he wasn't using his spin move to get around a tackle, he can get under the pads of his guy and drive him back. Uh, and so, you know, you can win. You can win in the NFL when you're short when you when you use your leverage effectively. Mark, you bet. Escape from Erie, PA. Shout out to you. Oh, I, oh, I didn't I didn't know that long yeah. long hair dude. So I like him uh, instantly. You know, Marcus was talking about a player that he liked a lot. We did our um we did the best uh picks at every spot in the first round a couple of weeks ago on a Tuesday. And look, Chad, we're just trying to fill time when you're not here. And so uh <laughs> anyway, Marcus mentioned a guy, Tom Ali, and I remember Tom Ali being a master uh, getting his arm up under that tackle's left arm. You know, yeah. and that's what you're talking about uh, when they're that tall and that pass rusher. Or if you go farther back, Derek Thomas could get that that angled lean where he could get under those taller tackles. And it, some of them just are not athletic enough to uh, recover from that. Yet at the same time, teams don't exactly want a six foot left tackle, do they? No. So it's a uh, it, well, it's it seems interesting... even last year. Carolina, you know, uh, Matt Rule came out and said we didn't want Rashawn Slater because he's a guard. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Uh, he's good. He's a good tackle. And uh, I just looked up Tom Bahali and he was 6'3", which surprised me. I didn't think he was even that tall. Um, but what about James Harrison? The James Harrison, six foot, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a good call. Uh, you know, one of those things, one of the things we haven't talked about, and we're going to wrap up here in a sec, but I just, um, you know, sometimes, because we have a lot of pass rushers in this draft, y'all have a pass rusher going first overall. Um is that sometimes they take a little bit while they're, they're like a, a fine wine, right? They, they don't necessarily come out of the gate like an Alden Smith or a Javon Curse where they're amazing. Sometimes they have to develop their moves or learn from a veteran. Is there any player in this draft like that that you guys think, hey, may, this game may, may not, you know, this guy may not immediately contribute, but down the road, this could be an elite pass rusher. Is there anybody like that? Marcus, you're smirk. <laughs> I'm thinking about Trayvon Walker, who from Georgia, yeah. who might end up being the number one pick in this class. I, yeah. You know, he's somebody who needs a lot of development, and he's probably mm -hmm. not going to be a big sack guy in year one or maybe even year two. But you're hoping by the time he turns 25, 26 years old, you're getting a Julius Peppers type of edge rusher. Yeah, and I think David Ajabo, even if he didn't have the Achilles injury at his pro mm -hmm. day, I think he would still be that kind of guy that still needs some refinement. Um, you know, he, he did an excellent job chasing the quarterback, but he's still kind of figuring out his hands a little bit and how to use them and, and, and some uh, additional pass rush moves. He's, he's getting there, uh, but he's a guy that honestly having this time off um, could help him learn some of this stuff while he's rehabbing and it'll, it'll help him become a better player down the road. It'd be great if a team uh, that already has a, a fantastic veteran pass rusher could take a guy like that mm -hmm. so that he can learn from the veteran pass rusher. I uh, know the all right. NFL's all-time sack leader, Bruce Smith, first year out of the gate had about six sacks, but the Bills had a veteran pass rusher named Ben Williams who taught him a lot of like savvy veteran moves. Marcus, your big DeMarcus Ware guy. DeMarcus Ware learned a lot from Greg Ellis those first yep. two years on on how to – plus Greg Ellis had played with his hand in the dirt, which DeMarcus Ware was playing stand-up, so Greg Ellis could could uh, talk about both aspects of that. But uh, anyway, just uh, something that interested me. Uh, I, I'm going to give you all both the uh, final word. Chad, you first, because Marcus always gets the last word because he's a brat. So go ahead. Well, I just want to thank you guys for having me on the last few weeks. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, I'm glad we got to go a little deeper uh, in the draft. And, uh, and I really appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, you bet. It's been a lot of fun.
You can also check out Chad tomorrow on the uh, Locked On Cowboys podcast. If you want more Chad Ryder, tune in for that. Yeah, because yeah. Chad Ryder is going to be done in about 10 days. You're not going to see him for about six months after <laughs> after next yeah. weekend. Uh, I'm going to be sipping a pina colada on a <laughs> desert island somewhere for a while. So, um, Or hanging out at Elliot's house. I, I don't know yet. But, but uh, no, I appreciate that. NFL.com, seven-round mock draft coming out tomorrow. You, you bet. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of appropriate, Chad, because Marcus has used this podcast as like his farm system for Locked On Cowboys. So just anything good that we do, he just pretty much plucks to advance his career. So, uh, yeah, I, I fully expect you to do a great job uh, on Locked On Cowboys. And with that kind of tee up, uh, Marcus, your final word? Uh, Chad, I'm sure you're like I, I am when it comes to the draft. The first round is the most important and it's what everybody gets the most excited about and what we talk about all the time. But if you're a big draft nerd, like we are day two is the best man. It's so much fun on Thursday night to just look at your best remaining players, do a little two round mock draft to see, okay, where could Jacksonville go with their next pick? What could Dallas do to trade up? Uh, So I'm glad that we get, got to do a second, third round mock because day two is the, the, the time that I love the most. Yeah, it's sort of like, uh, you know, everybody gets really excited about the opening round of the NCAA basketball tournament and all the, you know, upsets and all that stuff. But really, it's like the next weekend where you're going from, you know, 16 to 8, and those are all really quality games, but, you know, maybe not as exciting, you know, the the opening of it isn't. That's kind of the way I view it, too. So uh, it's a lot of fun. All right, everybody. Well, that is uh, Chad Ryder. That's his beautiful, sultry voice you just heard. He uh, can be found on NFL.com, and then he will become a hermit playing D&D for the rest of the summer. He's at Chad underscore Ryder, R-E-U-T-E-R. I'm going to have you on next week to talk the top five rock bands, Chad, that every college senior needs to add to their playlist. Oh, yeah. He's coming back next week. Uh, At Marcus underscore Mosher. He's the host of Locked on Cowboys, the most successful Cowboys podcast there is, and covers the Raiders for USA Today. We thank Courtney and Eric and Herbert at Brinks and uh, Garrett if he's out there somewhere. Everybody take care. We love you very much. Bye-bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.